Yo, 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 what up? It is Higher Learning. I am Van Lathan. I am Rachel Lindsay. Thought Warriors, it is 9 a.m. when we are recording this. And the reason why that's important to say in the moment we're in is because we are in an FLM or an FNM, which is called a fluid news moment. The moment Did you that make we're that in up? just now. Okay. All right. All just right. now. Just now. <laughs> a fluid news moment, meaning the things that you hear on on higher learning are relevant today, Thursday morning. But what I will say is things are happening so quickly that you never know what is going to be what when you hear my voice. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Right. Uh, Rachel, we'll start where it's time to, where we need to start, which is uh, some of the most astounding news in the history of sports. Really, I'd say in the history of American society, which is, the not just the NBA, but boycotts across the landscape of sports yesterday tied into the horrific and disgusting shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It started off yesterday when the Milwaukee Bucks did not take the court for a playoff game five matchup against the Orlando Magic. Um, the NBA and the Players Union acted swiftly. They took the decision, it seems, out of the hands of the players for the rest of, of, of the games that day and for today and decided that they would postpone those games. Uh, it doesn't seem like those players on those teams were going to play anyway, but now the NBA is postponed. Uh, there are meetings happening as we speak right now with the players to decide what's going to happen going forward. We just got an update that says, it's looking like some games might pick back up tomorrow. Uh, but then this just happened in the NBA yesterday. Naomi Osaka, a tennis player, uh, decided that she wasn't going to play a match. Some baseball players sat out. But it started in the NBA, changed everything. What were your thoughts, Rachel? I loved what what the Milwaukee Bucks did. And I and it was a trickle, was a trickle-down effect because then you saw other players and teams decide to do the exact same thing. When they said they weren't going to play 
And when they said they wanted to protest and when they made the statement that they did in front of the media, I thought that was it. Now, if you go back and you roll the tape, I thought NBA basketball should have never been played. I thought the NBA should not start again for this reason. And there are several players that opted to not play for this very reason, for what happened to a Jacob Blake, to what happened to George Floyd. They Mm -hmm. wanted to make a statement and say, you know what? I'm not going to play. I'm not going to be your form of entertainment. I'm not going to provide an escape. And I'm not going to be a distraction for what is happening in our society. That you had like the Avery Bradleys do that. That was the whole point of giving people the seat, the reason to opt out of this. So when the, so when the Milwaukee Bucks said, we're not playing and we're boycotting, I thought that that was going to continue. Now we're getting updated news that they're going to resume games. I'm a little bit bothered by that. If I'm, Mm. if I'm going to be honest, what does it do to sit out one game? If you're only going to play the game again tomorrow, what, Mm. like it makes a statement in the moment. It's effective that day. But then there's tomorrow and we move on. What statement are you really making by continuing to play? How are you, how are you hurting, you know, people's pockets? Like, cause that was like part of the, the argument that was being made, right? Like they're making a statement. They're not going to be a form of entertainment. They're, they're hurting. Like the owners are going to have to figure out what to do because they're refusing to play basketball because what is happening to their black brother, like black brothers and sisters in all of this. I just feel like all of this is ineffective because you're, on Friday, you're going to resume playing basketball. Like what it, everything that they were saying was, what does it mean to have black lives matter on your court? What does it mean to have black lives matter on the back of your Jersey? If you're not going to do something about it? Well, what does it mean that you sit out one game? It's not a boycott. It's technically a postponement and you resume playing basketball. You know, it, 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 it falls short. If we're really going to make a statement here, if we're really going to say we're fed up about what's happening in our country, if we're really going to say we're not going to be your form of entertainment, then you got to stop playing basketball, period. That's that to me is a boycott. We need to be effective. Saying Black Lives Matter is not enough. Wearing it on the back of your jersey isn't enough. Seeing it written on the basketball court is not enough. What can be done? Otherwise, it becomes performative. We have to do something that is going to make a change and make a difference. We know where we know where people stand on this. We know how basketball players feel about what's happening in our country. That's why you're seeing the NBA take such a a big stand in allowing the players to express how they feel. But where do we go from here? Sitting out a game isn't going to be enough when you resume play 48 hours later. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do know what you're saying. Um, It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I agree. And I was surprised at the news that, games could come back. And I don't know what I think, if I'm being honest. Because here's what, here's what I try to do. I try to be... All, great big moments are can be individualized, right? They all come down to individual human decisions. Okay. And people make human decisions for reasons that end up being very, very human. Very human. Okay. And when when we are thinking about political stances or religious stances or moral stances, we always think in the extraordinary because we we, we compare them to guys who made what seemed like, you know, extraordinary circumstance, extraordinary 
uh, sacrifices, should I say. Like when you talk about Dr. King, Dr. King's giving a speech and he's saying, you know, I might not w- get there with you. He's saying, I'm not going to live to see 40. And mm-hmm. then he he's killed at 39. Okay. And looking back on that, you think, Jesus, more than a man, right? How brave is that person? How brave mm-hmm. is the is the soldier that picks up their weapon and goes to fight for freedom for no other reason than duty to country? Guys like Pat Tillman or, or whomever. How brave is anyone that does anything greater or bigger than themselves, right. specifically because of duty or purpose? Um, and you want everybody to be of that mindset, and you realize that collectively that mindset is the best conduit to social and political change. But then there are other parts of it that you don't think about, you know? You don't think about the fact that not everyone, every person uh, in the bubble, every player is LeBron. You know, some of these guys, it's going to take, it's a significant sacrifice. You know, you and I are going to go on and a lot of people are going to go on talking about sacrifices that other people make, just quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to have a, a show where we go on and we talk about what they should be doing or whatever not, but we're going to keep doing the show and money's going to keep rolling in. You know, lights are going to stay on and I'm going to be able to put gas in the trusty and dependable 2010 Honda Accord Cross Tour and and all of that stuff, right? Uh, so it's hard for me to say when somebody... Uh, <laughs> Always comes when, back to the Honda. <laughs> trusty and dependable. Honda, <laughs> Honda Accord Cross Tour. 150,000 miles on it. Zooming and humming. Um, so it's hard for me to say that. What I do, what I will say is that I wished that they had stuck with it. Um, I, I, I agree that I wished that they did stop because what we need are big, sweeping changes. We need someone to, to step up and take that proverbial bullet. But you can't tell someone to do that if that's not what they want to do. You know what You're I mean? Right. So, so right. I, I think, you know, my dad would be like, he would say things, he'd be like, don't nibble. He came to see me in the football game, right? And I hit a kid late. I got a flag. But I kind of just nudged him. And my dad said, no. Yeah. If you're going to hit somebody late, Mm -hmm. right, and you're going to get a penalty, if it's going to cost you 15 yards, fucking nuke that boy. Make it count. Make it count. If you you feel like you lost yourself that much and you're going to get the penalty anyway, make it count. So, you know, what the NBA players did was incredibly brave and it at least showed America in the moment, uh, in the moment, it at least showed America that kind of what we were talking about before, that a lot of the things that distract you can go away. I just wonder if they come back, what's the final verdict on it? And it's a fair question to ask. It's unfair to them that they're in that position. It's not fair to them that they're in that position. It's really not. I don't know how I would necessarily feel. I can't criticize them for, thinking of different aspects of their own lives or their own league or, or whatever, or whatever is going to happen. And we, we also don't know if they go back to work, what the NBA has pledged to do, if there's been anything that the league has said that they're going to do even more than what they're going to do right now or what's happened. And there has been a little movement since this happened. At least the, the, the shooter 
in the case of Jacob Blake has been named. There have been a couple of more details about things that have come out. So there has been at least some movement. And maybe that's enough for them to justify going back to work. I don't know. Why was the bus boycott effective? Because they stuck it out and they hurt the pockets over the course of a year of the Montgomery bus system. Exactly. And so I, I'm not, I'm not, because I, I know people are going to criticize this conversation. I am not knocking what the NBA players did and the stance that they took, but you can't, you can't speak on that and then speak on, you can't talk about the situation and not talk about the fact that they're resuming every alert that's coming to the phone right now is talking about how they're going to resume playoffs tomorrow. You can't do both. It's almost as if what you did loses its effect because tomorrow you're going to be back on the court playing as if, as if it didn't happen. Do you, like, people are canceling practices today. People are refusing to play. It's, it's not just the NBA. It's all, it's, it's happening in football. Football practices are being canceled. MLB games are being canceled. It is having an effect for 24 hours. But where do we go from here? I know what you're saying is true and I know you believe it and I know you're affected by what is happening in our country, but how much more effective could it be if you pulled a, bu- a bus boycott? Yeah. If you said, we're not going to be a distraction because that is what it is on Friday, people are going to watch you play and they're going to be distracted by it. And they're not going to be focusing on the injustices that are happening in our country because it's the playoffs. You know, like, is my team going to advance and keep going? It's a, it, 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 it's a, it's such a, a contradiction to what it is that you did yesterday to what you're going to be doing tomorrow. Let's, let's put the bus boycott in context as well. Okay. okay. All right. So let's look at what happened during the bus boycott. And the bus boycott is a very, very, very important event in the history of our country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the bus boycott as organized black people stop riding the bus in response to Rosa Parks and all of that. They don't ride the bus, I think, for a year, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the buses in Montgomery, they uh, they cave, change their policies. Okay. But look at something that happened. The bus boycott was more than what people see it to be. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that people stopped riding the bus. That's not enough. Okay. People still had to get to work. Yeah. So what they so what they do? They carpooled. Yeah. Some of them walked. The community came together to support each other in boycott, right? Mm-hmm. The action that was taken, there's a cost for it. And somebody has to pay the cost of the action. Right. Every action, no matter what it is, there's always a cost. Somebody has to pay the cost. The community here. Uh, decided to pay the cost to make sure that people still got to work, that it wasn't costing anybody any money, that people still had what they needed to do, and just a sense of community that is involved in maintaining uh, the energy of something like that. It takes sacrifice from a lot of people. In this situation with the NBA, it doesn't seem like that would be necessary because everybody seemingly has millions of dollars, but I assure you that that's not true. Right. It's guys who need that. So, my whole thing was, what was the league, or more specifically, the players' union, or more specifically, the players, or anybody else mm-hmm. that was outside of it, what were they going to do 
to make sure the players in the league right. that needed help, because if they're going to boycott, right, it also wouldn't make sense to boycott and then boycott this season and then three or four months come back and do another season because they're talking about doing a season in December, right? So if you're going to boycott you it, and you're going to come back, you need to set demands and tell people when you're coming back. And until those benchmarks are met, right. you don't come back and play basketball, right? So during that time, what was going to happen? How were they going to decide to carpool? What needed to happen? And it's mm-hmm. very, it's very possible that this was a decision that was made uh, where those things weren't taken into consideration. So for me, when we think about things in the past that have worked, I want people to also think about this. There were geniuses leading the fight. Uh, that's not me casting any aspersions, not aspersions, but any doubt on uh, the brain power of the guys in the NBA. No, Those are it, all was just, very it was an organized guys. movement is what you're saying. It, right. It like wasn't when, sporadic. Like, yeah, I, when you talk, it, it, was, it was something super organized. And these people in, it, in the civil rights era don't get enough credit for just how well-studied they were for just how absolutely, uh, like, Dr. King wasn't just, he had studied what Gandhi had gone through. He had studied movements from all over the world to figure out what was the most effective way of getting what he wanted. The point that I'm making is that there is going to have to be an organizational aspect to movements like this. And this is where the players in the NBA who have, you know, significant resources, Reach out to the people if you want a more coordinated effort. Mm-hmm. Reach out to people around the country who are expert organizers, who are experts in political and social theory, and talk with them. I saw Bree Newsom. Bree Newsom t- tweeted something. Bree Newsom said, in all of these NBA cities, there are local organizers in every single city mm-hmm. that can help guide and be with these players to help them understand specifically the problems that exist, not in just in their communities, but across the nation, so that they'll be able to move in a more direct and effective manner. And I think that's kind of what the thing is. I, yep. um, I appreciate more than anything what the players did yesterday. But it has, to be, the, it has to be a, the start of a conversation. So that there's so that the wind isn't pulled out of anybody's sails. That's it. If they then come back and decide to play again. You know what I mean? So it's just about us, them knowing what they want and us being able to do this collectively. Yeah, it's, it's. I don't want what they're doing to become watered down where it becomes just background noise and it's like, oh, there they go again, just doing something. I want it to have the effect that I personally think the players want it to have. I get, I get them being in a position where they're reacting to what's happening and they kind of don't know what to do. But, and so then it, it, it gets lost in the sense that, okay, you're like, I'm upset. I'm, I'm affected by what's happening. I don't want to play. I want to be in the streets. I want to be protesting. I want to speak out against what's happening to my people. Understand that. But then you don't play and you make these grand statements and then tomorrow you play and it, and it becomes watered down. And I don't want their voices and their actions and their intention to be watered down. And that's why I agree with everything that you're saying about how they need to get organized. That's why the bus boycott was as effective as it was. It was a plan of action. It didn't just happen in the moment. It was 
it was planned. And I think yeah. that they need to get orchestrated. Yes. I think that I hope that whoever the leaders are, when it comes to what the NBA players are doing, recognizes that and say, Hey, we can't just react to what's happening when it happens. We've got to become organized so we can use our platform and our voices to become effective um, right. and to really accomplish what it is that we want to see done and we what we want to see changed in this country. Yeah. Listen, they still made a statement. And they did. They they made a they made a, and they made a powerful statement for yesterday and even today. The entire world, or the entire country at least, I'm not sure what they're doing in fucking Tokyo right now, but the entire country stopped and they saw a vision of an America where black people didn't serve as entertainment, right? Where we didn't serve as a distraction from the problems. And I get, Rachel, that you might feel a little bit disenchanted by the fact that things might pick back up this weekend, but at the same time, I feel like it was a powerful move made and a powerful statement from the players. It now, was. there are going to be people that they're, they're going they're not they're going to be people that are, that are, are going to be disappointed, right? But remember now, as soon as this happened yesterday, I started to think, okay, well, um what happens now? And if you if you know a lot of athletes like you do, then you know that the LeBron James, James Harden, Steph Curry sort of endorsement plus a huge NBA contract plus huge public profile athlete is by and large a myth. It's a lead, it's a, it's like any other profession. You got a whole bunch of actors acting in commercials. Then you got uh, Michael B. Jordan. You got a whole mm-hmm. bunch of actors on TV. Then you got uh, Viola Davis. The NBA is no different. You have a lot of guys that are working. Right, and then you have superstars. Now these salaries are out of uh, like are, are are over the moon for most Americans, but it, it, it's still there are guys that can't stop stop working and never work for the rest of their life right. in the NBA. And it doesn't seem like that's true, but it is true. Um, so I realized that something was going to have to happen because the league is bleeding money. Also, there are other things that go on. If they don't play, well, then they destroy their CBA. You know, they destroy their collective bargaining agreement. And if they destroy their collective bargaining agreement, which is, if you guys don't know what that is, that is the agreement for how the league runs, the revenue splits, all of those things between the players and the owners. And there are a lot of things that are in the collective bargaining agreement. Well, when you're going to play drug testing, it's essentially the, the contract between the league and the players, right, that they collectively bargain. If they destroy that, then you have true chaos. And so everything that they do has to be with an eye on something. And it might take a little bit longer for them to figure out what it is that they actually want, where they're actually going, and how they actually get there. I'm not mad at that. Um, but I'm also not, like Jay Electronica says, I ain't mad at them, but I ain't glad at them. But I am <laughs> happy that I saw some movement from the NBA players. I am. I'm happy that they did what they did. Yes, we're happy they responded to it. You know, like they didn't sit back. They weren't silent. (coughs) Excuse me. Ooh, keep that in the pot. Ooh, 
Ooh, that's okay. Stop. That, I just keep got that COVID. in the podcast. I just got Ooh. COVID tested twice, oh, and I'm negative. Keep that in the podcast right there. My Yikes. results came back yesterday. A negative. Something, something was caught in my throat. Excuse me. That, yeah, <laughs> something was caught in your throat already. It's called a virus. That's what was going on. Like, that's Don't you put was, that on me. <laughs> Don't you put that on me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> I rebuke I, that. I'm, 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 I rebuke that for my sister, Rachel Lindsay. She does not have COVID. She does not have a little... <laughs> she does not have that. Jesus, my sister does Isn't not have crazy? COVID. Isn't it crazy? You don't, like, but have you found yourself in public and you do try to like swallow the cough that you have because people are going to look at you crazy if you cough no, at what, all? Wh- one day, I literally almost shot my brains out of my ears trying <laughs> yeah. to hold back a sneeze. Trying to hold back a sneeze. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like it, it was painful. I had one of those big sneezes. It was painful, but I'm not. I'm not about to sneeze and then put be put into a leper colony with these people. <laughs> no, I'm, not do, I'm not doing that. Um, but but um, okay. See this. This is what I was afraid of. I, I'm looking at my phone for alerts, like every every couple of seconds, because it continues to go off. I love that the players. I, I just want to say this because I feel like it's going to get lost in everything that I've said. I love that the players stood up for what they believed in, but I want there to be an organized effort. And the reason I want that is because I don't want them to lose the effectiveness of mm-hmm. what it is, the message and the meaning that they are trying to convey. I also don't want them to give a voice to people who are against what it is that they're preaching and give them something to talk about and to, mm-hmm. and kind of say, Oh, okay, well, I thought you felt this, but you're playing basketball tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I say that because none other than vice president Pence, mm-hmm. Pence and Kushner, Jared Kushner talk about the protest and they called it absurd and silly. And I and I wholeheartedly do not agree with that. But you give rise to people to say to criticize what you're doing when it disappears after 48 hours. That's what I hate. This is why we need to get organized or have an orchestrated message, like you said, so that we can be more effective with what it is that we're fighting for. And it doesn't just come and go in the next 48 hours. That's that's my my issue. That's my problem. Kushner said he's going to reach out to LeBron James and talk to him about it. I saw that. You saw it? Uh, you just saw I, it? <laughs> well, I saw that yesterday. I think that, that was out yeah, or this morning. Either yesterday or this morning I saw that. No, I just I'm just, okay. I'm just I'm just that's, hoping. I feel like that's shade. That's like two it, it came up 2 minutes ago on my No, I no, I'm not saying I'm not shading you at all, Rach. <laughs> I'm saying that I saw that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw that last night. I'm I'm hoping for just for uh, for Jared Kushner's uh sake that he speaks fluent Negro. If he's going to speak to a regular Negro, such as LeBron James, he's not going to be. I didn't know I he had LeBron's contact information. I, 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 I didn't he know makes that it seem like they, they, they talk before. Jared, Jared, if you can hear me, I hope that you are able to speak in a language that LeBron James can understand and you get down. Maybe before you talk to him, Jared, you should watch the entire first season of Martin. It's a show about a hilarious Negro and all of the exploits <laughs> that he has with his friends up in Detroit. He's a radio disc jockey up in Detroit, Jared. Jared ain't talking no fucking LeBron James. Get out of here. By the way, fuck Jared Kushner. <laughs> I'm going to call my black friend on uh, this one. <laughs> I'm going to call my but Fuck Jared Kushner. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Fuck Jared Kushner and fuck Mike Pence. What were they supposed to say? They weren't going to say anything. Like, it, there was nothing that the NBA players 
could have done to where they would have gotten a pat on the back from those two guys. There's nothing. That's that, not what I'm saying. But, but but what I'm saying is that like expect Ann Coulter, Megan Kelly, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, uh, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens. Expect these people to snatch, snatch distastefulness out of the realm of freedom fighting. Expect for them to. Expect for them to, to 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 do that. There's nothing that you could have done. The po- the the fucking boycott could have lasted for five years. They could have killed the league, and those people would have had something negative to say about it anyway. That's Who cares? not what I'm saying. But you you like I I agree with you. Obviously, they're always going to be critical to what the NBA players are protesting. My point is that you're giving them something that goes towards their argument. Like they're going to use this towards their argument. Like oh, like oh. 40 and 48 hours later, they're playing back on the court. I'm not, that's it's, what I would, it, what I would love to see is that, okay, they're going to play basketball for whatever reason it is. What if they came out and also made a statement that said, we're not stopping our efforts. We're going to organize and figure out what we can do moving forward. That That is more than just wearing a saying on the back of our Jersey. That is more than just having it on the court what is more than just talking about it in a post-game press conference. Like maybe they'll say we're organizing together to figure out what it is we're going to do. I just hate that. It just, what them, the announcement that they're going to be playing tomorrow, it just feeds into the people that you just named. That's all that I'm saying. I didn't expect them to, to pat them on the back or to agree with it. I just hate that now they're going to use this to their advantage Hmm. and which is, what well, I mean, alert look, just said. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna find an advantage anyway, but I understand what you're saying. I do really believe, though. Um, and by the way, I want to say this. There, there are NBA players that listen to this podcast. We know this because oh, we just know that there are. Put it that way. There are <laughs> NBA players that listen to this podcast. Brothers, I'm here as a resource. Rachel is here as a resource. You have more power than you know. We have power collectively. The action begins now. What you guys did was brave. What you guys did was necessary. Yes. Uh, What you guys did was timely. Now, let's figure out a way and let's get all hands on deck. Everyone. I keep talking about my young radicals, Philip McHarris, all of these guys that have answers to these questions. People from all, Alicia Garza, people from all over every different walk of life who are dedicating themselves to solving problems like housing, to solving problems like healthcare, to solving problems like uh, divesting from police forces and reinvesting into our neighborhoods. They're answers to these questions. What these people need is a light, a voice, and they Mm -hmm. need ways so that they can keep fighting a good fight. Remember I talked about the Montgomery bus boycott people? Well, they had benefactors like uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and all of these different people, Harry Belafonte, that kept them afloat in times what they need. And these other people are out there scraping and scra- scraping, trying to get things done, trying to live in a world where they can fight full time for people's rights and for people to be free. So the yeah. NBA players can have, a, and myself included, can have a definite direct effect in just being part of highlighting voices, not slogans. Yeah. Slogans is great. Messages on jerseys and all that stuff is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great for awareness. But they're individual soldiers who need weapons. Mm-hmm. Arm mm-hmm. them. Easy work. 
arm yeah. him. And like that, and that goes far because you 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 make somebody for a lifetime who can fight this fight. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, it's yeah. all kinds of things. Uh a question. Do you know who Rustin Shesky is? Rustin? Rustin Shesky. You know who that is? I do not. All of America should know who Rustin Chesky is. Do you know why? Uh, I just actually had to look it up just now before we started doing this, and I realized I didn't know the name. Of all the names we're talking about, of all the people that we're talking about, we're not talking about Rustin Chesky. This past Sunday, Rustin Chesky shot a black man seven times in his back in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That is the name of the police officer Mm. who shot Jacob Blake. Now, Mm -hmm. as we were doing this, I wanted to bring his name up and I had to look for it. Rustin Shesky. Rustin Shesky. Shesky. Rustin Shesky. Rustin Shesky. Here's the deal. I've said this before. The shooters don't get to be anonymous. Right. You know what I mean? The, The shooter doesn't get to be anonymous. All right? I don't know how we're getting this thing backwards. The, 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 the injured party, the assaulted party gets made famous, right? And I understand mm-hmm. that. Remember their name. But the person that committed the ill, that pulled the trigger, gets to live in anonymity. And right. we talk around the actual consequence. Rustin Shesky is the name of the man. Uh, they released that name, I think it was last night or during the time mm-hmm. last night or something like that. So mm-hmm. that was something, to be honest with you, that a lot of people were demanding that the officials up there in Wisconsin do that they weren't doing. I'm going to be honest with you. I do believe that what the players did and the overall attention on the issue at least got that done. Because that's something that they they had paused on for a long time. How do you feel about the fact that not enough of us know the name Rustin Chesky or the names of any of these cops that are guilty about any of these uh, guilty, excuse me, that have, well, they are guilty. They're guilty. You know, you know why I think I'm glad you're talking about this. And I, and I think it's important that we bring attention to who they are and, and say their names just as much as we say everyone else's who's unfortunately involved in these incidents. But I think with people, when you hear this happening, you're so upset. It's almost like you don't even care what their name is. You're so upset by the injustice that's done. Mm. And you don't want the people who died at the hands of these police or who have been injured in this case, paralyzed in this case, you don't want their name to be lost in the middle of a bunch of other names. And I think that's why it's almost like you, you don't like, we should be, you're right. We should be saying their names just as much. We always say the names of the, of the, the, the one who's unfortunately killed or who's been injured. But I think, yeah, you just get lost in it. You get lost in what's happened that you like, like, I'm like, I hear his name and I'm like, okay, Rustin. But in my mind, I'm like, fuck him. Like, what are we going to do to, you know, at the end? It's just, it's another cop. It's another cop to me. Um, yeah, yeah. But definitely didn't know his name. Another cop. Isn't a part of this though, that, so don't we have to ruin these cops? Don't we have yeah. to ruin the individual, the bad actor? And it's we should very be looking difficult. up their records like they look up the, the person who was shot. Right. It's very difficult to do that if we do not know who they are. Mm-hmm. 
We should hashtag those names and make them go viral as well, as well as the name of uh, uh, another uh, little junior terrorist, uh, a gentleman by the name of, and this was truly disgusting, by the way, uh, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, if you're asking why Black Americans are so scared Hmm. of the feelings and the mechanisms behind white supremacy. A perfect example of that is 17-year-old Kyle uh, Rittenhouse, who is a kid that armed himself with a rifle and went out and killed protesters. Okay? Shot one protester in the face. This is in Wisconsin. And then while he was trying to uh, while he was being disarmed by another protester, uh, and while he was trying to be disarmed by an American hero named Anthony Huber, uh, he ended up taking Anthony's life as well. So, um, you know, uh, Kyle is now being used as, uh, or being sort of talked about as a hero uh, in some places on the right. Tucker Carlson um, lauded him on his show Tucker saw, Carlson? Yeah, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson said on his show about uh, this young maniac um, that, uh, listen, if adults fail to keep these cities safe, something to this degree, then the children will. This is somebody who killed two people. Okay? And then after that, transported the gun across state lines, went to Illinois. Uh, a criminal. A criminal. Did illegal shit. Criminal. Killed two people. Okay? Uh, vigilante that took it upon himself to go out there and pop people in their head. Killed two American citizens. Uh, uh, and Coulter said that she wants Kyle as her president. So, I want you guys to understand something. The rules of decency that a lot of these people say that they're playing, about, playing by are all bullshit. Okay? They're all bullshit. Now, Jacob Blake shot in the back seven times. This Kyle kid was given water by the cops, uh, treated very fairly and equitably by the cops, was not shot a million times by any police officer. So I guess a 17-year-old carrying a fucking long rifle is not scary, but a black man going to his car for what might magically be inside is so terrifying that you got to empty the whole clip on him. So for me personally, when I look at all of these things, like our society is diseased Mm -hmm. and it's diseased as much uh, by who we criminalize as it is diseased by who we make heroes out of. All of these things are wrapped up in one. They all are. It's wrapped up in one while the shooter is not as famous as the victim in these cases, right? It's wrapped Mm -hmm. up in one while a a kid with a gun on one side. By the way, black people don't do this. I want to be honest with you. You don't see black people on the left like deify Christopher Dorner. You don't see them deify people. Like we're not allowed to look at people who take up arms against American, uh, against the American government, right? Or mm-hmm. against whatever, and then say that they're good people. Yeah. Like, could you fucking imagine what would happen? Tucker Carlson is on there saying that uh, this Kyle kid, right, is uh, is doing something that everybody else... Can you imagine what would happen 
if after Christopher Dorner, Christopher Dorner wrote an entire manifesto explaining how he was going to engage in asymmetrical warfare against the, the, the Los Angeles police force. And he talked about the racism that he, that, that he uh, fucking, um, that he endured while he was in the military. He talked about uh, Trayvon Martin and the death of Trayvon Martin and how there were bugs and worms eating Trayvon Martin's flesh. And he said that he had had enough and he was going to take up arms and go kill a bunch of people, right? Obviously wrong. My point is, in his mind, he had a reason, okay? Just like this little Kyle maniac, in his maniacal mind, he had a reason. Can you imagine what would happen to Don Lemon if Don Lemon went on CNN Mm -hmm. and talked to people about the fact that he thought Christopher Dorner was doing something that other people in America didn't have the nuts, the fortitude, or the will to do? Can you imagine what that would look like? Which is essentially what Tucker Carlson did. Tucker Carlson, to me, is not just enabling, but inviting somebody else to pick up a weapon, go into a protest, and pick off protesters. Yeah. Excuse me for a second. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Like, I, I and mean, it's weirdo shit. It's, it's racism is what it is. It's, it's not weird. It's racism. It's hate. Um, what's crazy about this whole thing is that this incident, incident in particular, is that, you know, I posted something on my social about, you know, there being no rules when it comes to black people. And as if our, you know, our lives don't matter. And my comment section is filled with hate about what Jacob Blake should have done, how he was wrong because he resisted. Oh, he, he deserved that because he resisted police. These are, these are people in my DMs. These are people that I know who are, who are writing me and, and questioning me, not necessarily my comments, but privately in my DMs. Don't you think that if he would have done this, they wouldn't have done this? Don't you think him doing this is why he got shot seven times? As if he deserved it. As if if he just didn't sit there and and do what he was told, it would have never happened. And my point was, it happened because he was black, right? And then, what is it, 48 hours later, you see Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse, arming himself around town, walking with an AR-15 strapped to his body, and nobody does anything. This is a person walking around with a deadly weapon, armed, and nobody is saying anything to him. Then he goes into a crowd, kills two people, injures other people, runs away, and police cars drive past him. They don't say anything to him. Why? Because he's white. And this is the point that I was trying to make to friends, and now I use that term loosely, friends or people, strangers in my my DMs or people writing in my comments. The point is, it doesn't matter what Jacob Blake was doing. It's because he was black versus how somebody is treated when they're white. That's really what it comes down to. And I don't understand how people can see it any other way than it's a black and it's a white issue. And that I think was what it was so hard for me to swallow. In addition to the Tucker Carlson's 
uh, you know, like lauding this man as a hero who is gunning people down, who are just protesting for their right to matter, to live and for justice. And you're calling him a hero that he's killing these people. And then there's other people who don't understand that it's a black and white issue and people are being treated differently simply because of the fear associated or the stereotypes or the, the preconceived notions associated with their the color of their skin versus when you have white skin and you don't have those same things. It's crazy. And, and, and then that coupled with what's happening right now with the, with the RNC and the thing and the, and what's, what's being spewed out on stage and people saying, Mike Pence saying, I want the violence to go away, but then you're also lauding these people as a, as heroes. You're also putting fear in suburbia by saying black people are dangerous criminals and these protesters are going to come to your neighborhood and they're going to attack you. There's no unity. There's nothing to bring this together. You have, they, they, they're on stage talking about how they, that it's going to be violent under Biden and Harris, but look at what our country is right now under a Trump administration. Under it's you. only getting worse under you guys. And you, but you want to tell people what this country is going to look like under Biden Harris. Look at what the fuck it is now. I like, I just, it's, I'm, I'm, it's so disheartening what's going on right now in this, in our country. It's, it's insane, man. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. Don't cry. I, you see, don't say that. I really am about to cry. Like nah, I'm, you're upset. I'm you're upset. upset. I'm, I'm upset. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, you, when don't people do say it. don't cry, you always don't, do. Don't, I'm upset. Don't, don't, Rachel, hold it together, Rach. Come on, big Rach. Hold it together. Come on. Now I gotta get like my dad. I gotta get toxic. Girl, don't You're you right. cry about that. My dad used to my, I used to cry at my dad, because I would cry over stupid stuff. Like, I would cry when Batman went off. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you know what I mean? Like I would be watching Batman, like the old Batman with Adam West. And like during the last commercial break. I would get so emotional because I knew that Batman was about to go off. My dad would look at me. He would be like, nigga, what's wrong with you? I would be like, what? It's like, you about to cry because the show going off? I'm like, yeah, I one wish more I was crying because Batman went off. I wish was, that's I was, about I to was say, crying. I was about to say, I, I wish right now that we could cry because there was no more Batman. But you know what he would say to me? He'd say, get ready for the world. It's so toxic. This is what my dad would say. You know, he should have let me cry. He should have. Let me, son, Batman's going to be back on tomorrow. But that's not what he did. He was like, boy, what's wrong with you? You better not quit all that. That's what I'm saying to you right now. Quit all that goddamn crying. Suck it up. We need big rage right now. <laughs> it's so only getting worse, I think, is just, it's it's like, and I and the funny thing is, I promised myself, I was like, don't you cry. Don't you mm-hmm. cry when you get on this podcast. But I just like, the more I talk, the more I just get frustrated mm-hmm. about you know, which is why, like, I understand what it is that the NBA players are fighting for. I like that's why it's like I don't want people to get lost in what I was saying. It's just more of the frustration of I get what you stood for today, but what are we going to do tomorrow? We can't play another game. We have to. We can't be a distraction for these people. We have to make these people hurt. We have to make them be upset. We have to make mm-hmm. them feel they should be crying too. We should. They should be hurt and bothered and affected by what is happening to people in this country. They need to yeah. fucking care and they Racial. don't. And that's why I'm just like so frustrated. They don't care. You don't care about us or yeah. what's going on. You care about making people scared of us rather right. than 
listening to us and what we're scared of in this country. It's I, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to podcast anymore. I'm so no. upset. I know I'm you so are upset. I know. Hey, Rachel, listen, like everything that you just said is like, here's the thing that was so like people listen to the podcast. I can guarantee you right now they are enthralled and enraptured. And the fact that you care so deeply, right? And this is so moving. And this, this is, I, you saw the guy from the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Talking about this. You oh, see, yeah. you yeah. saw Robert Ory. Like, these are our lives that we are talking about. This is our existence. This is our future safety. I, I'm sure that you and you and Brian one day, when I have a little beige baby to come into the world <laughs> and all of that stuff like that, this is this is our very lives, our existence that we're talking about. And there's a community here that is united by some of the most amazing cultural achievements in American history. But there's also a community here that is united by a very specific and unrelenting pain. And we're tired of that pain. And yeah. I'm, I, it, it, it is, it's, it's not something to where we can just pick ourselves back up it dusts ourselves back. Oh, that's part of being black. Now, no, we want it to stop. And so these tears, they're actually happy tears. They're good tears. Because are they're they? T- they, I tell you, they, they are. They are. It would be, it would be far more detrimental and de- and destructive to our community if Rachel didn't care. If Rachel could Joe, it's just hard to be black and move on. It would be far more detrimental to our community, our American community, if we weren't as engaged and involved and emotional about this as we have to be. That's what's necessary for change. That's what has to happen for change. You know what I mean? I just wish people, yeah, I just wish people would understand that at the end of the day, it all comes down to our blackness. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. It's because right. we're black. That's right. it. I had somebody say to me that I know, literally, Rachel, I feel like if you had a child they wouldn't be in the same situation that a Jacob Blake was in. There's no fucking way you know that. that You don't know that. But but that's what I mean. This is how these people think. Somebody said that to me. Somebody I know, a friend that I have known for years, said that to me. And I go, that's the, I go, my dad is a federal judge. He drives He's like you. He's driving like a, like a hot crossover. Like my dad is like, like prides himself in the 200,000 miles that are on his Volvo. Mm-hmm. When my dad is driving and he gets pulled over, his resume isn't written all over him. All that you see is that he's a black man, not his accomplishments, not what he's done. And that's what I tried to explain to her. At the end of the day, it's the blackness is what we see or what they see first. Period. Nobody knows who I am or what I've done or what my child will do or even my father. And I think I'm just so sick of the excuses people make when it comes to what's happening. And at the end of the day, it's just the fact that we're black. Period. That's what it comes down to with all of this. It's the color of your skin and what you have put, the meaning you have put on our color of skin. That's what it comes down to. Trayvon Martin wasn't doing anything. Walking through, his, walking through his own neighborhood, right? Uh, because he was black, that indicated criminal to a fucking maniac. Maniac Jeez. pulls him over, provokes him. The kid is dead. Um, so I want to ask you a question, okay? Am I going to cry? You're not going to cry. I don't okay, know. I don't, I'm I don't, I don't, I don't so know. 
I don't I'm know. Tired. I got. If, I have. I have great news that happened to me today, and I can't even relish in it because I'm so upset about so what's upset. happening. I'm so upset. Yeah, yeah it's uh like where you're now. I have a new nickname for you. <laughs> it's not just. It's not it's tasteful vixen, Rach Pock, uh, Big Rach, but now <laughs> you're also Rach Rodman. Because Dennis Rodman cries in every interview. Rach Rodman. Every time Dennis, Rodman Dennis does? Fucking Dennis Rodman cries. You <laughs> must have never seen a Dennis Rodman interview before. Jackson, Jordan, okay. am I wrong about that? Like, Dennis Rodman cries every interview. He is so emotional. Rach Rodman. But it's good, though. Because, you know, Dennis deeply cares. Um, I have a question. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a new segment I want to do. And it's completely about me, my favorite type of segment. Okay. Okay. It's called, Am I an Asshole? This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay. <laughs> this actually happened to me. Okay. Yesterday, I'm over here. I'm playing Fight Night World Champion. I've started a legacy boxer. His name is Van Lathan, Vicious Van Lathan, on the Xbox, okay? Okay. And he's, he's six foot four, 235. Uh, he's an he's a orthodox, he's an unorthodox kind of wheel him and deal him heavyweight boxer, you know? I'm in the middle of a very, very important fight, the last fight of my, uh, my amateur, amateur career, and I get a knock on my door. And I have no idea. Anytime somebody uh, knocks on my door without having called first, I literally rack my shotgun. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I, like, I, don't know, I don't know what's happening now. So I go to the door, and it is my neighbor. And I don't know that she's my neighbor. She identifies herself as my neighbor. I don't know. She has no mask on. I don't know why she's knocking on my door with no mask on. And she goes, I live next door to you. This actually happened. I live next door to you. Uh, and I'm moving tomorrow. And they already turned off my cable. I do not have any Wi-Fi. <laughs> can I borrow or can I have your Wi-Fi password? Wow. <laughs> oh, Wow. Can I have your Wi-Fi password? Is what she asked. Can I have your Wi-Fi password? Can I have your Wi-Fi password? And I was like, uh, I don't have Wi-Fi. I don't have it. <laughs> Why'd you lie about it? And then she goes, she goes, because I didn't know what to say. She goes, You don't have Wi-Fi in your apartment? I was like, no, there's no Wi-Fi. We don't have it. I'm sorry. And she goes, and she looked, and she looked, she stood there like. And she had, she was a foreign lady. She had a very thick accent. And she says there like, you don't have a Wi-Fi? And I'm like, no. And she looked at her phone as if to say, nigga, I know this Wi-Fi is coming from your apartment right now. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm your neighbor. I want your Wi-Fi. And I was like, sorry, bye. And I just closed the door. Am I an asshole? No. For not giving her my Wi-Fi. I've been feeling bad about this since this happened. Am I an asshole for not giving her my Wi-Fi password? Absolutely not. I guess I'm an asshole then because I wouldn't have even lied about it. I would have been like, no, 
I pay this much a month for my for my Wi-Fi. You can absolutely not use it. I, I wouldn't even trust that she was really moving. I would just think that she wanted my Wi-Fi. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Listen, I'm friendly. I'm really friendly, but I'm I'm not nice. I would honestly say that I'm probably not a nice person. I'm friendly. There is a difference. I would have told right. that lady no so quick. I would have opened the door, been super friendly. Hi, how are you? What's up? Can I use your password? Absolutely not. Next, the, next question. <laughs> and I wouldn't have, th- I would have, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I never would have thought about it. Here's I the thing about upgraded the, my Wi-Fi after that. <laughs> Maybe because here's the thing about the Wi-Fi. Here's the thing about the Wi-Fi. Let's say that somebody asks to borrow some sugar. You give them the sugar, right? Let's say somebody asks to borrow. Hey, do you have so and so and so so? You give it to them. Once you give them the Wi-Fi password, they have it forever. So it's not like letting your neighbor in to use your bathroom. It's like giving them a key to your apartment, right? I then, agree. Unless I go and change my Wi-Fi password, which I'm not even sure I know how to do. But at the same time, like even if I did know how to do it, that's like a lot of work for me personally. After I already have one that I like, it already auto connects and all of that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. More to the point, I'm worried about this neighbor now because... Why? She moved. She ain't even there today. Maybe she is, maybe she's not. Like you said, maybe that's a ruse, right? How do I know? So I'm worried about someone. See, shit like that gets to me. Shit like that gets to me. It gets to me. When I say gets to me, I mean, I get worried about the mentality of someone who has the nuts to come ask you for your Wi-Fi password. I think a lot of people would do that. Really? We wouldn't. No, hell no. We wouldn't, but I, that doesn't shock me. I was going to ask you what the person looked like. She's like a like an older lady. Well, like she was. I live in a Persian Jewish area, so she was. She seemed like she was Persian or or something like that. But she was older. See, like that doesn't shock She's me. An older like an lady. older person doesn't shock me. I think 60s, a, 70s. there are a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of people would do that, but that's not neighborly to me. You've taken it too far. I'm not giving you the password to anything. Not my phone. Not my Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Like nothing. I'm not giving you that. That's a violation of privacy. But if somebody comes to your apartment to like kick it. Uh, you can give them the Wi-Fi password, of course, right? Like, I came, if I came over to visit you and Brian, or me and Brian going to do some push-ups, I, I come over there. Like, I'm like, yo, I, I give want it to you. you. Give me the Wi-Fi password. I know password. you. Yeah, right. I know you, and you're leaving, and you're not going to use it after that. You don't live next door to me. Did I ever tell you about the girl that got caught up on the Drake situation because of the Wi-Fi thing? Ever tell you this story? No. Would you like is to hear it real quick? Is this a TMZ story? That's no, not a TMZ story. It's oh, a real story. Okay. okay. Yeah, I want to hear we so, we want to know. So this is this is a real story that happened, or it's well, that I heard happen. So uh, Drake's old place was a place that people would go party, right? This mm-hmm. is what they say. This is what I heard happened, right? Mm-hmm. So I heard happened. I don't know if this happened or not. Drake's old place was a place where people would go party, right? It was the YOLO out there. Everybody would go out there. It's, it's Drake, you know, have a young lady out there uh, 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 every once in a while, right? So one time, I guess a couple of years ago, I had heard a story that uh, from a friend of mine that was mad at his girl. The reason why he was mad at his girl is because they were supposedly going out there to hang out and do something, whatever. And he had asked her, yo, have you ever been out here before? <laughs> and her and her friends are like, her, her, her friend, her girl was like, yeah, I've been here before. But he was, but she was like, no, I've never been out there. 
blah, 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 blah. And I've never been out there at all, right? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, just never been there. And he's like, all right, cool. Because, you know, he's a little uptight. It's like, that's the, that's the highest level of, of like, uh, like, that's the scariest nigga, if you're being honest. Like, Drake is the scariest guy. As far Why? as... Because it's like, you know, it's a difference between, like, as far as your girl or a girl that you, if, you, if you're that way, for me, you know, doesn't matter if you want to go, like, it's not a big deal. Like, for me, I don't, I'm not, like, all territorial and shit like that. I don't get all jealous and shit. But, like, you know, for other guys, if you see a guy coming, he's probably the worst guy to see coming right now because he has this sort of Svengali fucking ethereal effect on women. Like, just, it's like, I just... A lot of ladies, though. It's like a weird thing. Like, you're in Delilah, you see people look over it like, oh, my God, it's Drake. For, you, like, you don't think that chicks want to fuck Drake? Like, that's a I do, thing. but because of who, he's Drake, not because he has this ethereal presence or just, like, like exudes this, like, well, I, don't I don't know, know this what, charm, this Drake charm. It's his status, money, rapping. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's but, who but he all, is. I think it's all part of it, like, the vulnerability and the emotions, uh, you know, all of that stuff like that. I think I think it's there's a thing. There's a thing. Okay. There's a thing. Okay, anyway. Um, so this guy was all uptight about it. And they, and by the way, Drake wasn't even there when this was happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think something else was going on. From what I understand, the story could all be bullshit, by the way. Uh, but Drake wasn't even there when this was happening. Um, they're riding over there and her and her friend are laughing or whatever. Uh, and obviously it's the guy who's telling me the story. So her and her friend are laughing, right? He asked her if she had been there. She says, no, they go, they get there and uh, he has her phone. And when they get in range, her phone connects to the Wi-Fi. Her phone connects to the Wi-Fi at the mansion. (laughs) And and, and he he goes, so so this is after. He goes, uh, yo, 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 Van, what should I do? She obviously lied. She obviously lied. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know, nigga, you rap? So why don't you have her use that Wi-Fi connection to send this nigga a demo or something like that? You think it's short money. <laughs> I mean, like, that's don't That's an be... asshole comment. Now you, you want to ask me a question again? That's, that's an asshole Yo, comment. yo. This dude's I... seriously hurting at the fact that his girl lied to him about yo, Drake here's the, and, here's the and thing. being in his house. Here's the thing. If she lied about going to the house, then it probably some fun times happen at the house. And exactly. And on her. Ain't nobody married. Stop thinking short and thinking with your ego. Think in the long term. Think about the fact that now you have the opportunity to get your beats. I would actually, if I was him, I would say, listen, the next time you laid up with this nigga, the next time you just laying down with him, just like play my music and be like, yo, have you heard of this new rapper? Blah, 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 blah. See, that's how I think. I don't know how the rest of these guys think. They think, just no, get the music. He could have been signed to OVO. So then what did he do? What did he end up doing? He let his toxic masculinity take over. He flipped out. Uh, never did spoke to her it? again. Uh huh. She admitted that uh, she lied. Oh, they laughed him off. They don't care about that. They're not gonna choose you. All right. <laughs> you live in my neighborhood. They you, they're not gonna choose you. You know what I'm saying? Just have fun, whatever. Now nah, she got like two million followers on the gram. She's not even thinking about that nigga. All right, uh, (laughs) you're not going to get chose, so don't make a big deal about it. Just use it for what you can get it for. All right. um, I would never come to you for (laughs) advice. I would never. 
That's the best advice. The best, the best advice is fam. Well, you want what you want. You want emotionality. You want to be emotional about it. Or do you want to live your dreams? You know what I'm saying? I like that okay. wasn't realistic, Van, is the point. Like, it, it, Drake ain't going to put him in OVO. He's not in the click. He's not listening to his demo. He's definitely not going to put him in OVO now. <laughs> it, like, you don't know before. He might have heard it. He's definitely not going to put him in there now. I, I want to address something. You're from Texas. I'm from Louisiana. Uh, there is something barreling towards our home states right now um, that is freaking me out. I... I took Xanax this morning. I took Xanax this morning when I woke up because yeah. the combination of uh Jesus Christ, am I gonna cry? Uh the 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 combination Come of Come on, Van, um, let it out. No, Do it I'm not with going me. to. If you cry, oh, I'll cry. I'll I'm cry not again. gonna no, 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 I'm not again. I'm not gonna cry. I'm just very afraid. Uh and I and I uh you know, I lived through Hurricane Katrina. And um, it was difficult. Uh, you know, I think about, people think about the people that died from flooding and stuff like that for Hurricane Katrina. My friend Gino had his aunt staying with him. And she was an older lady. I think she was 72, 73, something like that, early to mid-70s. But she she was vibrant and very alive and very okay. And like, she had no health problems or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I'd say six weeks after Katrina, she just died. Hmm. Um, and there was something that happened down there that people can't talk about. The stress and the trauma of how being displaced and how uh, having your family members die. It, it took a lot of people. There were a lot of people in the margins who we didn't get a chance to discuss. And there were a lot of lives that were never changed, that, that were changed forever. And there were a lot of things that we never got a chance to get back. Uh, and by the grace of God, that region has been spared um, that sort of event to a large degree. I mean, there have been terrible weather events in Baton Rouge, just flooding and winds and all of that stuff. Just ridiculous. My father lost his house in the flood a couple of years ago uh, after having had our last home destroyed <laughs> in Hurricane Katrina. So, um, but uh, I'm not articulating well right now because I'm legitimately scared. Yeah. And um, there's not much that you can do about it. Like a storm is coming. Uh, it's going to make landfall. Laura is the name of the storm, Laura, I think. Yeah. In right. South Southwest Texas. Um, no, excuse me, Southwest Louisiana, I, East Texas. It's it's actually Texas has been spared than oh. from what they originally thought. It it sadly is mainly focused on Southeast uh, Louisiana. I feel like I think they said Lake Charles is going to get the brunt of it, and then it's going to move more east of Texas, east of Shreveport, east of Shreveport. So, uh, there's 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 no good news there. There's uh mm. there's that's not directly in the line of Baton Rouge, uh, but you know that doesn't mean anything. Right. I know what a storm. This storm is. It's category four. It's category four. That's a big boy. Um, and it uh the the havoc is, you just don't understand living through a hurricane and just what happens to 
civilization society overnight. It's uh, that, you know, Katrina wasn't my first hurricane. Just what happens to you when you hold up in a house and the lights are out and you're around your loved ones and the wind is whipping. It seems like there is a great big demon outside and you're just wondering if it's going to kick your windows in and come in there and get you. Because you know that it gets somebody and you don't know that it's going to be you. And there's nothing you can do but be right there. There's, there's no place you can go. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, uh, you normally, you like, you get together all your family and friends and all of that stuff like that, but you just don't know what's going to happen. And it wasn't until Katrina happened that we realized one of those storms can really wipe us out. So uh, my heart, my, my thoughts and my prayers that don't do anything go out to the people in uh, Louisiana, but I want to say more than anything, we have to be ready to help. So as, as a community, we have to be ready to help mm-hmm. in the event that, th- that things do get bad. Um, you know, we have, to, we, have to, we have to be willing to have some sort of synergy in terms of what we're going to do because I got to be honest with you, the last time we just got fucking left out to dry. Right. There were a lot of people who came down and uh, and and aided us and helped us out. But for the most part, as far as the government was concerned, that's why you can miss me with all of your fuzzy memories of George W. Bush. Like you, oh, you, do you, people have those? Yeah, I didn't realize uh, that they, was a they thing. They do. They do. This guy makes George W. look a little bit better. So I so want to take a time and, and talk about, you know, what it is that we lost and what we hope that we're not going to lose again. And that I love everybody down there. And uh, if you need me, I will be there. Like I reached out to my people, asked mm-hmm. them if they needed a flight out here. They will always say yes. Because, <laughs> you know, my sister right now, my sister, shout out to Ebony Lathan. I, I hit my sister and I was like, yo, you need a flight? She's like, nah, not right now. I think she's like, but I got PTSD. Do you remember this time that we almost drowned as kids? And I was like, no, I actually don't remember it. Well, here, let me tell you about it. Nah, nigga, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> um, listen, guys, no mailbag today, okay? We're not going to do the mailbag because there were a lot of very heavy things for us to cover on the podcast today. I want to say something about that. Okay. Let me tell you what this podcast is in its essence. Okay? We have two people with strong voices, an incredibly accomplished lady, a semi-accomplished man. (laughs) Uh, But more than anything, this podcast, in my opinion, is two black people trying to do their best. Mm -hmm. Two black people trying to do their best. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Two humans trying to do their best. Two Americans (laughs) trying to do their best. Like, that's okay, Rach. It's okay, Rach. It's two black people trying to do their best. And... The emotion that you've seen from the podcast today, and I tried to bring a little levity with stories of Drake and my neighbor and all of that stuff. Appreciated. All right. The stories that you, the, but, but the, the emotion that you've seen on the podcast today is what we're going through. And we're being honest about everything else. So I appreciate Rachel being honest about that. And I am right there with her and we all are there together. If you want to make a difference, help us take this pain away. If you do not 
help us take this pain away. If you are not dedicated to changing America for the good, that's fine to me too. Just get out of my way. But I'm going to remember the people that aided me in building a better society. Um, that's it for me. Uh, Rach? I can't say anything because you just made me cry. I'm not kidding. I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I know exactly what's wrong with me, but I don't want to say anything after what you said because it was so beautiful. I just, it's so true. It's so true. Um, we are hurting. We are frustrated. We are tired. And, um, yeah, like I, 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 can't, I don't want to say anything. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm so, <laughs> it's okay. It's I'm okay. So, Put I'm your thinking guess. caps back on. It's Van Lathan and Rach Rodman. We are out. <laughs> We're gonna get Rachel cleaned up, and we gonna see you guys next week. <laughs> Peace, Star Warriors. I promise you, we okay. We okay, but we fighting. We in the fight, right. Star Warriors. We right. fighting. Sometimes we got to share some tears. We're going to see y'all next week, though. <laughs> Stand with us or get out of our way. That's just how <laughs> <it goes. laughs>